Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. Good morning. Well, it's wonderful to be with you today. I brought some friends with me because I'm not a stranger, so they are my friends and now they're your friends, you know, and, um, and they're from the Leprosy Mission. I, I got involved with the Leprosy Mission Australia um, when I heard some exciting things they're doing because many, many years ago when I was in India and we were going out one day and they said, we're going to take you to this place. And I said, like, what place? Like people affected with leprosy. And I'm going like, nah, that can't be right. I said, what do you mean there's people with leprosy? They said, like, there are people with leprosy. And I'm going like, no, that was in Jesus' time, not now. You know, like, and so I was very, being a missionary for many, many years, was very ignorant. You know, like, and so when I went there, I was shocked. I was going like, my goodness, thousands of years later, this is still existing. And so, a few, so last year I, I got involved, I heard a story from Leprosy Mission Australia that there is a big movement around the World Health Organizations and a whole bunch of organizations to make leprosy history by 2033, to have zero transmission, zero disability, and zero um, um, discrimination on leprosy. I was like, wow. Because I work with a lot of, lots of projects, you know, but those projects go forever. And I thought, like, man, I want to be involved in something that was around since the time of Jesus that we can make history in my lifetime. Because I'm going to be alive. It's, it's only like, how many years is that away? 20, 13 years. Okay, I'll still be, al- I'll still be around. You know, <laughs> God willing. And so that's why I was very excited about this vision. You know, like, what if we can make leprosy history in our time? Because why in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, Jesus tells us to go and heal the sick and cure the lepers. You know, and we find out that this is still today. You know, like, so I'm going like, man, this is very specific there. He says, heal the sick, cast out demons, and he says, like, and cure the lepers. You know, he didn't just put it together with all those, with all the other ones. And that really stood out to me. I'd be like, man, can I be alive? and be part of history or something. And so I just got involved with these guys, and I've been with them for a little, for the weekend now, since Friday, and being with different leprosy organizations, you know, that works in this area. So John and Winnie are from Papua New Guinea. You know, like, they're wonderful. Do you guys want to come up? They're from Papua New Guinea. And, um, and of course, when I found out about all, more and more about leprosy, I found out there's people affected with leprosy just around the corner from us in Papua New Guinea, actually. I think last year they found one case in Australia, in Melbourne, because why, you know, like in, in prison, actually. And so it's affecting a lot of people around the world. So Winnie works with people affected with leprosy, works for the leprosy mission in Papua New Guinea, that's a part of Australia. And John is a volunteer, and John's brother and his family was affected with, with leprosy as well. So he's lived through it work with them, you know, like, and been through it. So I'm just going to ask them just to come and share with us some stuff that's going on. But before, we're going to play a video. Yes, and then they're going to come and say. So this is John, Winnie. Yeah. Wonderful to have you guys. Hi, I'm Natalie Smith. I'm country leader for the Leprosy Mission in Papua New Guinea, and I've been working here for three years. The aim of the Leprosy Mission in Papua New Guinea is to support primarily to support the Ministry of Health to detect and treat leprosy cases. That's because we're the only leprosy partner in the country. Children like Teresa, um, who catch leprosy when they're still young, um, have a big challenge in front of them. 
So one, it's this is concerning because um, one in four of every new case in PNG is a child under 15. So that's 25% of the new cases. And that's a really, really high statistic and a very concerning statistic. The reason that is is because these children, if they're not treated, could develop disabilities and then they have to live with those disabilities for the rest of their life. Children like Teresa often experience stigma uh, because if they are going to school and the teachers find out that they've got leprosy or affected by leprosy, often the teachers don't want them to come to school anymore. This is like a sign of ignorance on the side of the teacher um, about leprosy and its treatment. So our staff have to talk to the teachers and educate them about leprosy and that there's no need to be a fear. Uh, other, other children may or may not understand what leprosy is, so they may not be stigmatized from other children, but there could be stigma from the other children's parents. So if the, if the children go home and say, oh, someone, you know, Teresa's got leprosy in our school, the parents might then be worried and cause problems for the teacher and for Teresa and they might even lobby to have Teresa moved from the school. The, another reason is, is also self-stigma. So in some of our cases, they feel ashamed themselves that they've got this sickness and especially if it's started to cause disabilities, uh, like with Lily, for example, um, she's really ashamed to go to school now because she has a big ulcer on her leg. So it's really hard for us to encourage her to go to school, even if we've talked to the teachers and the students and explained everything, then we have to actually get Lily to want to go to school. So there, there is a lot of nuances around the stigma for children. Getting these children detected, getting them treated and enabling them to live as normal a life as possible without disabilities is, is our aim. So getting them back into school, uh, supporting their parents so the parents can work and earn money to keep them in school and helping them to get that education and hopefully have a brighter future. Um, thank you everyone. Um, as Etienne said, I am a project staff with the Leprosy Mission Papua New Guinea. And um, yeah, leprosy is a really, really old disease. Like in the Bible it has been mentioned. And um, if we could relate to uh, Mark chapter 17, it talks about Jesus healing the ten people affected by leprosy and only one came to say thank you to Jesus. So um, it was a mission that Jesus did back then and some of us continue to do it today. Um, leprosy, it's a disease that can be healed like there's medication available in Papua New Guinea. So World Health Organization, it supplies the medical, I mean medicines, and um, it's in the hospital. But um, the problem is because um, people with uh, affected with leprosy have to take those antibiotics for, um, say, um, six months if they have lesser bacteria composition in the body, or um, 12 months if they have been infected a lot. So I've uh, been popping in because um, we, we in, in, in the year 2000, the nation as a whole seemed to say that we have eliminated leprosy. But then there were six provinces that still had high number of leprosy. So the focus of the National Ministry of Health was diverted to other like diseases that were pressing at that moment. So leprosy came back. 
Um, so now we have a lot of leprosy in Papua New Guinea, especially in the six provinces that has high cases of leprosy. But the sad thing about leprosy is because it causes disability. If not detected and treated early, uh, leprosy leads to disability. And once a person has disability, it leads to stigma. Sometimes, you know, um, relationships are lost, like like students not having those good relationships in school with their other peers. And most of the young people that have leprosy that, that are in school kind of have this self-stigma in them and they leave school. So um, that has affected um, those young people that we deal with. So I'd, I always like to tell a story about Lily. Um, our country leader has mentioned in the video that we saw earlier. Um, Lily, she was an orphan, like, she lost her father and mother to tuberculosis, and um, she was like, um, around less than 10 years old, somewhere then, when she lost her mom and dad, and she had to live with her relatives, but in the place where her relatives live, it's in the outskirts of Papua New Guinea, so I mean, Port Mosby, and I'd say, we say settlements, but I don't know if what, <laughs> how I could describe it, but some people say ghetto, I think. Yes, yeah, so, um, e, um, the conditions there are not so good, like people would end, like, a family would live on five dollar a day, and that's their income that they live on. And they live, they would sell a little bit of thing to make money, but, their income is just $5, and they live on that every day. They wouldn't have water supply, like all throughout, and um, they wouldn't have enough food, I'd say. Um, access to health, if someone gets sick, then they couldn't afford to go. So Lily had to live with her relatives. But in the family that she would be living with, like the family would have five children of their own, the uncles, and... Um, because life is so hard for them, sometimes when it comes so hard, they would have to look after their children, and if they had enough, they would tend to look after Lily. So she, because she had this leprosy and she couldn't access health services as soon as possible, she got a cut under her feet, and leprosy, it affects the nerves, so people lose sensation. So under her feet, she already had leprosy and um, she couldn't feel under her um, right leg. So um, she had this sore and that sore because she had to work. She had to work in order for her to get a plate of food in the night. And she also had to, a little brother, a younger brother and a sister. And um, if she works, then they get to feed. Yeah, so she would fetch water or go to the market if they had to send her to all those. So that has caused to her continue to walk on that saw and she cannot afford a pair of slippers so she walks barefoot so the cat got infected over time that she continues to work and it led to an ulcer. And the ulcer was so terrible that she couldn't walk anymore, like further distance, so she stays under a house. And that's, that is in 2017 that I went and I saw her. And um, she was, she felt a bit like 
to herself like she felt like self stigma so she kept away from the rest of the young people back when i met her she was 14 years old so she doesn't socialize she sits under this house and she always has a little friend like albino friend that the mother also abandoned the little girl so they were always together so they would see them that's the time that i met and saw her and i felt like i was so sad and that day i saw her like she was so frail and just sitting there and just looking so um i went and i talked to her and i said look you don't have to sit like this you wash yourself wash your ulcer keep it clean and um make yourself feel happy but she like to her like she, nobody cared about her so when i went and talked to her and i usually go back she started to feel that someone loved her so if i would say i would come the next day then if i go then you i would see that she's already combed her hair and dressed up with any nice clothes that she had and i would visit her but then because leprosy has already like affected her leg it got so worse that like the saw it when dalsa really went into the foot and it, the bones got and so rotten so if she would change her dressing she would have those bones like pe- like literally peeling off in the dressing that she would take up and so it led to her being a, in a lot of pain so she would cry like in the night when people were sleeping she would cry of pain but her relatives like they didn't take her to the hospital So one night she cried like they said it's like they had enough of her wailing every night but yet they didn't take her to the hospital so one night she was wailing up until like in the morning so my we have community support volunteers like John so my volunteer in that community called me in the middle of like early in the morning around 6 and I told him look just just get a cab and just take her to the hospital but just as well when he called like he wanted to call the cab but he decided he'll call the ambulance so when he called the ambulance the ambulance said oh you have to have a 20 kina that's like a 10 dollar australian dollars but he didn't have so he said okay just he just told the ambulance like you just come so the ambulance came like the ambulance came and when the ambulance driver stopped they had got her in and when they went to the hospital like my volunteer told the ambulance driver the story of lily and he got so sad and when he dropped them off he said don't pay he said just take her in just take her in and let the doctors like treat her so that's when she went in and she got in there and then they saw that the ulcer was bad so they had to just take her leg off but then when they checked her she didn't have enough blood because obviously she doesn't get enough food and all those she comes like so um they told the doctors called me and called the office and said we have to ask if the family could donate blood so i went i got all her uncles and i said we all understood that she had this for a very long time and that and they said yeah we agree that she has to have a leg and i said yeah, that would happen but the hospital said she needed blood and the hospital ran out of blood so could like family you talk amongst yourself and you decide to go and like to donate blood so they can 
So we said talk and I like they seem positive like they were going to go the like the next day. But then the next day and the next day and nothing. So I checked again the doctors they checked so our, like within our staff the office we said we would go and give blood but that day that we were going to go they called us and they said no someone donated blood and that blood that is it's like Lily's kind of type of blood and they were going to give it to her and we said wow thank you lord anyway so she got it um she went but the other thing is she has to sign I mean, someone has to sign for her to get her feet amputated. And, of course, the relatives, but none was, even when the time that she was admitted that whole week, none, nobody visited her from the family. She was alone. The friends she had were the friends, the other sick people in the, in the hospital, that were the friends she had with us. Like, but we would only go between the spare time we have between like our jobs to visit her. Yeah, so she told the doctor that she said, I am going to sign and you will have my leg, like that leg off because I had enough of living with that pain. And the doctor looked at her, she was young, but he saw that she had the fighting spirit in her and he knew she was going to make it. So she signed and yeah, she had that operation. And, um, I was coming back from my training and I had a call that, oh, Lily, Lily went for operation and I, like, I, I didn't want to miss, I wanted to be there when she would go, but then I had other things. So when we drove, when we arrived at the hospital, we would only visit at lunchtime where we were allowed to go. So we went, all of us rushed in me as that volunteer of mine. We went and that time when we were, they, they gave us the bed she was in. So when we were approaching the bed, we saw her, like they were wheeling her out of the operation theater, back to the bed. And she had this feet all gone, and it was the short one that came out. Like we felt sad that it was the short one that came, but we were thankful. Like it was a sad thing to see her, like coming with this short limb. But anyways, it was a relief too for us, yeah. So now Lily is well after this operation and now we helped her to get a prosthesis. So now she has, and she's walking on both legs now, yeah. So that's the kind of story when we say um, um, the mission of leprosy mission is follow Jesus Christ and break the chains of leprosy and to give life to people. So if we can help one life at a time, not in big ways, but in the small ways as ordinary people. So God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things in the small ways that we do. So um, if it's in a way that we can reach out for whatever mission that we have, if we, we will pray or if we would go out and treat or heal, or maybe just to comfort or being a friend, then we have to go because that's what God wants us to do. So I really appreciate what we said this morning. Like, it's not us now, but it's leaving us to where God is leading us to move. Thank you. So I'll leave to John. John is a volunteer, so he's going to just say what he does with helping his brother and uh, niece. Thank you. Morning, everybody. Uh, as you pull head from Wingy, 
I'm a volunteer for leprosy almost uh, two years now. Uh, why I became a leprosy volunteer? My big brother is a leprosy with his daughter. That's my family, so I involved myself to be a volunteer for leprosy. So in my community, we have about 25 people in my community which they have leprosy. So we have volunteers, me and the other two, we used to work for that community. We used to work for that community. So out of those uh, 25 leprosies, 25 leprosies, we have 20 have completed their medicines, and uh, five we are working with them. They will be completing their medicines maybe this year. So leprosy is good, doing good things in our area there. So that's how leprosy is working in other communities also. That's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna tell you, Paul. That's uh, how I became a volunteer for leprosy. Thank you. Thank you, John. From the statistics, they show like every two minutes somebody is diagnosed with leprosy around the world. But the good news is in the last um, 20 years, 16 million people have been cured from le leprosy. You know, and so what I said earlier, they're on a track of 13 years. It looks like they're on that track to see leprosy become a history in our time. So there's a lot of good works going on. I'm one of those people that... Um, I like things to happen fast. You know, when I preach, I want people to get saved now. When I pray, I want people to get healed now. So I'm a short-term vision person. So for me, there's some exciting things that's happening, you know, around the world. And one of the things that these guys haven't spoken about also as one of the amazing things that's happening is that they are creating jobs for people affected with leprosy. You know, like people can start their own businesses now and things like that. When he was telling an amazing story when they tried to open a bank account for some of the people affected with leprosy and none of the banks wanted them to open up accounts for them because right, they were all scared because of the stigma around it. But then one bank opened up their doors and said, yes, we will open up bank accounts for them. What I love about the story about Jesus in Matthew chapter 8, you know, when the, when the man says, heal me, will you heal me? And he said, yes. And then Jesus kneeled down and he touched him. The Bible said specifically he touched the person with leprosy. You know, like, and when I read that story, even again this morning before I came here, I was like, that's the heart of the Father. You know, the most discriminated, the most sick person, the most dirtiest person, he went down and he said, let me touch you. You know, like he didn't just say the word, but he actually touched him. And I just feel that um, as they were sharing this morning, just to wrap up, and I'm going to pray for them and pray for us this morning, is that the Lord wants to touch people through us. You know, the Lord wants to touch people in our streets, in our neighbors, even as we hear the story, what they are doing, to inspire us, but that we will become the heart of the Father because Jesus says, when you see me, you've seen the Father. So when we saw Jesus touching the leper, we see the Father kneeling down and say, I will touch you because you are human. You are a human being, you know, and that's what I love doing, missions, what we are doing, you know, like um, seeing people get saved, but also make, doing life with people, seeing people get healed around the world in Australia, you know, like, because why? That's the heart of the Father this morning. So if you want to join me, I'm just going to pray for them and give back to Adam. 
you know, like um, as we finish off this morning just with these guys. Father, we want to thank you this morning, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the work that um, John and Winnie and all the other people are doing in Papua New Guinea, Father. The work around the world, Father, from here to Brazil to the U.S., to the Asia, Father, people affected with leprosy, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I just want to pray as we stand with that vision, Father, we come to share the vision, Father, that we can see this become history, Lord, but only through you, Lord, only through your spirit, Father. And so, Lord, I pray you will continue to breathe on this ministry, Father, and other ministries, Father, that does and work in this area, Lord Jesus. As we've come this morning, Lord, we want to pray that you will strengthen the guys in Papua New Guinea, Lord. Bring new life within them, Father. Lord, you know the resources they need, Father, for many, many others, Lord. They have stories like Lily that we heard about this morning, Father. And we pray that you will provide the every need for them in Jesus' name, Father. We lift up, Father, those who are discriminated, Father, who are sitting in their homes and making fun of Father and being pushed away, sleeping underneath houses, sleeping in isolated places, Lord. We just want to pray that the love of the Father will reach them wherever they are, Lord, and comfort them, Father. And we pray, Lord, that you will raise up many more people, Lord, like John and Winnie, Father, to go and be the Jesus that touched the people affected with leprosy, Lord, to love upon them, Lord, to show them compassion, and to see them get cured in Jesus' name. Amen. Get up for Eddie and John and Winnie. Winnie. What I find amazing is that uh, last year um, we heard the stories of the guys that went over to Nepal um, and went to the leprosy hospital there and then all these exposures of of leprosy that continually keep on popping up around the world. But um, we're only starting to be highlighted about that. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I knew that it was still active, but I didn't know how prevalent it was within the world. So it'd be great if we could um, pray for these guys as the, uh, for the fantastic works that they've been doing and for us to be able to look outside of our world here in Penrith, uh, here in what we do and actually see uh, what not, not only what's happening within the world but what God is doing within the world through people uh, and through organisations as wonderful as um, uh, Leprosy Australia. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. www.cofcpenrith.org.